Welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. Great to have you with us. I am Jerem Jordan alongside Banksy, and we are loving the newly announced alternate jerseys, the Cottonwood Canyon City Edition kit. Unbelievable. And a great nod. Oh, go ahead. Roll a video, man. You don't need me. Let's Just look at it. it. I believe that if we are honest with ourselves, that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? Because it's so mysterious. It's so This problem has fascinated me for many years, and I've made many inquiries. Who am I? Yeah. Oh. Then I keep dame, dame to my shit and loca. In the kitchen, whipping that dope up. You can smell a odor. Pop on pitching, we gon' hit it like we Sammy Sosa. Put that Billy to the limit. You can smell a odor. Ho. Those look legit, right? I love it. I love it. To quote the great uh, poet and philosopher philosopher of our time, Matt Damon, you like apples? How you like them apples? How about it? I, I love the nod to the snow, the pine green. Um, it's 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 beautiful. It really is. And, uh, yeah, it plays on the Cottonwood Canyons, local to Salt Lake City, the granite as well. Design is very awesome. Uh, I think the Utah Warriors obviously were biased, but have crushed it with the alternate jerseys two years in a row now. Uh, the Osepa and now the Cottonwood Canyon City Edition kit. Pretty cool. So uh, you, you, uh, Utah Warriors are going to wear this on May 21st against Austin. Get your tickets to that game and order your jersey now on warriorsrugby.com. Make sure you get it, man. We I've said it time and time again. We have the best-looking kit in Major League Rugby. Next year, you'll probably see somebody knock off that design. That's how good the kit is. Our uh, red away strip from last year got knocked off by the Crusaders in uh, New Zealand for this year. You know, So people are taking notice of what the Warriors are doing, and this is the latest edition of that. Don't miss the Cottonwood Canyon edition of the, uh, the Warriors jersey, this new city edition. Shout out to Billy Rathule. Happens to be our producer. We like him. Okay, we're live on the Utah Warriors Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. Subscribe to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Sending questions and comments if you've got them. Here's what's on the show today. We'll recap the loss at D.C. <sighs> this one was a bummer. We'll talk to uh, Ali Khalifi, one of our favorites. We'll recap Week 11, preview Week 12 in MLR. Big home game with Seattle coming up this weekend. Of course, Ali Khalifi, former Seawolf. That'll certainly come up. Joey Backy was mic'd up at practice. That was fun. And the USA Rugby CEO, Ross Young, will join us to discuss, obviously, uh, Utah Warriors Rugby and MLR, but also the bids for the 2031 and 33 World Cups. How close are we to that? Um, some great news uh, you know, and work being done by USA Rugby to try and secure those. We'll chat with him. But first, let's recap what happened at D.C. Obviously, Banksy, you and Ashley called this one on the radio. This, is, this was a disappointing loss. 0-9 D.C., Utah has a, a big lead, unfortunately. Uh, has a chance to win the game late with a Calvin Whiting kick and uh, missed it and loses this one, uh, 22-21. You know, there was a lot of positives to take out of this game. It's always difficult to lose one, especially by a close margin. I think the fourth or fifth game the Warriors have lost this year by three or less. I mean, yes. so we're, we're talking about single-digit losses, but, you know, it doesn't make it any easier losing by a little. It's still a loss. One, two, three, and three. Okay, let's jump to the sixth minute. 
This is what we were hoping for, a quick start, right? Mike Teo takes the ball in the breakdown, just jumps over it, underhand uh, pass to Caleb Mockney for an easy try, 7 nothing early. It was a great look from Mikey, and, uh, you know, it was just a heads-up play. He got involved early and often to try and force the issue in this game and really was a difference maker playing up from the number 15 position. Yeah, just hops over the breakdown. Nice little underhand scoop to Caleb Mockney. 7 nothing. Awesome. Uh, dotted down under the post. You don't need a conversion. Okay, 23rd minute. Uh, Junior Sal gets to try in the corner. Threatened Palamo. Drew in a crowd. Unconverted try. Utah still up 7-5. Uh, later in the 27th minute. One meter out. Offside on D.C. Utah still didn't punch it in. But three minutes later, Calvin Whiting made a penalty goal. Calvin Whiting was the kicker in this one. Cliven Lopes is still out. And he got the nod over Caleb Mockney. You know, Mockney has struggled uh, with his place kicking duties. Calvin's been great, you know, and he did miss a clutch one in this game. We'll get to that, but pretty reliable with the boot as he was last year in fill-in duties. You know, it's a position that he's taken up and knows well, so he's pretty comfortable taking those kicks for sure. Yeah, 87% last year was incredible. One of the league leaders uh, in MLR. Okay, 32nd minute. A little scary moment for Mikey Tail. Gets uh, hit uh, while he's kicking, and his head hits the ground pretty hard. He went off to be checked. He would luckily later re-enter the game after this. So it was a well-timed hit from Kalapu, and it just caught Mikey off balance, and he kind of bounced a little bit there with the back of his head, and that's always a scary moment when the back of your head bounces like that. Thankfully, he never lost consciousness. He went off and got checked due to concussion protocols. They took a look, and he was available to uh, return for the second half. And perhaps DC took advantage of no Teo in there for a minute because uh, Penny Lasanga had a try down the sideline where a couple missed tackles from the Utah Warriors. Now it's 10-10. Uh, Calvin Whiting had a penalty goal with 37th minute to make it 13-10. And then uh, in extra time of the 40th, the Warriors had a goal line stand to prevent another try. So they go into the break up 13-10, feeling all right. 43rd minute in the second half, Mikey Teo's back. A try after a line break and a string of phases by Tyler Fisher. Conversion miss, but it's 18-13 as Utah tacks on five more. You know, it's a, it was a great break from Fisher, and he was good in this match all day long. Really kind of one of the bright spots for his work rate and what he got done for this Warriors team. And it was just a, a big break, and then the gap opens up here uh, for the Warriors. So things kind of starting the way they did in the other half uh, in, to really, fingers crossed, look like they were going to start going the Warriors' way. And they almost did. Uh, but yeah, this this try eventually tacks on five to make it 18 to 10 as the Warriors came out there in the first couple of minutes of the second half. So it's for six minutes of the first half, this ball gets wider, uh, you know, and then three minutes in the second half here, Utah ends up scoring a try here. As Mike Teo just picks it and goes right, he's just a direct dude. He takes no, uh, you know, only nonstop flights to the try zone, just straight in, uh, which is awesome. Okay, 48th minute. Calvin Whiting tacks on a penalty goal from about 40 out, 21 to 10. Two minutes later, this, this could have probably won the game. Five meters out, Utah holds on, turns it over. 21 points ended up not being enough in this one. So that, that was costly. Then 10 minutes later, a controversial yellow card on Thomas Tuaval for a dangerous tackle. One minute later, Jamison Fontenona Schultz scores a try. Conversion no good, 21-15. To the 65th we go. Still playing down a man. Connor Byrne catches a DC kick and calls Mark. It was a very heady play for the rookie. I was very impressed by this moment. It was a great moment, and to do it under pressure the way he did as well, I mean, literally almost standing 
on the try line. And then DC had to back up again because they tried to jump in front of the restart and got in trouble for it. So it was a great, uh, it was a great little phase and a great moment from Connor Burns to take that uh, that mark and then replay the Warriors and ease the pressure. Yeah, one of their locks just jumps and blocks it, and it's like, bro, this is a free kick. You're getting the line out here in a second. Just calm down. Um, and then we fast forward to the 74th minute. Thomas Tuaval has been allowed back in the game. He actually comes out. James Mikey comes in. James Mikey gets a yellow card for offside. This was a big turning point because one minute later, DC scores a try with Utah Downeman. There was a couple of calls late that were really questionable. Um, Maki being punished after only being on for a few minutes, never having been warned. The Warriors had been onside all day. DC had been warned for being offside and coming up quickly several times and given penalties to Utah for it. So to give that harsh a penalty in that position, I thought was really, really, really brutal. <sighs> Even then, DC is like trying to lose this game still. Uh, down, down six. DC knocks it on. But uh, Utah loses a scrum inside the five, and then D.C. scores a try. It was Fitton Coleman, uh, scuffle after, 22-21. Utah certainly had control with its own scrum, could have alleviated that pressure, unfortunately got blown up in that scrum, and uh, you know that was the game-winning moment for D.C. You know, they just wanted it more in this game, and it really kind of showed in the body language through about the last 20, 25 minutes of the match. They were playing with more urgency. They were playing with more energy, and I really feel like they were just more motivated at home to come away with that win. Okay, even then, there's five minutes left. Utah still has a shot here because Angus McClellan jackals the ball with 28 seconds left in this game, and Calvin Whiting, in extra time, like at Seattle last year, has a chance to make a kick to win. And he had plenty of boot on this, but unfortunately pushed it just right. Otherwise, this is a game winner. The wind was swirling all night, and it affected several kicks, uh, not just for touch, but place kicking and uh, the strategic kicking game. It was going to be a long kick. It was always going to be hard. You just kind of hoped he could curl it around, and it was another one that wasn't meant to be for the Utah Warriors. Almost there. Okay, a couple game notes off this. First road loss to D.C. Scorigami, that means uh, the score has never happened in Major League Rugby. Someone keeps track of that. That's fun. 22-21. Second game in Warriors history, lost by one, okay? Um, second longest losing streak in Utah history now with, uh, you know, four gamers, uh, seven games back in 2019. And now two and seven. You talked about the close margins there. Look at this. This season could be very different if Utah uh, pulled off a couple of these wins here by three or fewer. You know, and we're really talking about the difference in scoring early in most of those matches, you know, and if the Warriors had come away with three or even five points in some of those matches, how different they would have been. But, you know, you have to take care of business when you get in those positions. And too many times inside the opposition 22, the Warriors can't close the deal to their credit or to, you know, their inability or in, in inefficiencies in handling the ball. It just hasn't been enough this year. Shout out to uh, first cap guys, Zion going and Tara Schramm uh, in this game, which is pretty awesome. And then first 15, Paul Mullen, you see uh, in the upper right as the tight head prop. So congratulations to those guys. Good to see him uh, in there. Okay. Let's uh, look at a couple scores from major league rugby in round 11 DC, of course, defeats Utah Toronto uh, beats Nola handily eight tries for the arrows, 89 points combined in that one. 
It was a big match from the Arrows, making a statement, putting themselves in a playoff position. The Arrows are for real running late into the season. Seattle edges San Diego, huge game there. AJ a team of 14 points kicking. It was a great match from Seattle, who really took it to their old rivals uh, since the inception of MLR. Those two teams have been going back at it. Seattle has kind of found their identity here a little bit, and they come into Utah with all the momentum this weekend. Big game. We'll preview it later. LA edges Houston 17-12. Get some payback after losing earlier in the season. Kiltini's won five in a row, but Oreni IE suspended for three weeks. They already they were already on their third string uh, fly half. They weren't at the third string fly half. He's the coach of the team and put his boots on to come in and play. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do to fill that gap because he's been good for the team uh, in his play at, you know, 42, 43 years old. He's been electrifying for the Giltinis and really a big part of their resurgence to form. He'll be 46 when he returns in three games. Uh, not just kidding. Austin <laughs> blows out Dallas 55 to three. Austin's playing great rugby right now. Austin been the class of the league all year. They were on the outside looking in last year and are playing with that chip on their shoulder. Okay, let's take a look at the standings beginning in the West. Austin on top of LA by five points. San Diego right behind him. Seattle uh, one point out of the playoffs, but certainly right there at five and five. Big game this weekend. Uh, Houston right there, obviously a five horse race. Utah is set not mathematically, but essentially eliminated from playoff contention after last week. Dallas, of course, zero uh, ten with four points on the East. Side, New England playing great. Atlanta right there as well. Toronto tied with New York, but has the advantage at the moment. Uh, New York uh, does have a game in hand, of course. NOLA tracking behind in D.C. now uh, with its first win because they beat the Warriors. Only seven points separates first from fourth place in the East, so it's still very much wide open for the Eastern Conference. And you've got to feel like Rugby ATL are going to be there. Toronto's going to be fighting for it. Rooney is really showing up and a big signing from Rooney this week as well with the former All Black coming to play uh, in New York. And, you know, can New England, with this 8-1 and one run that they're on right now, hold on to that form and continue to perform when the pressure's on? Okay, round 12 looks like this. Houston hosting Toronto. Nola hosting Austin. DC and Dallas in the uh, kind of bottom two battle there. Utah hosting Seattle. We'll talk about that in a minute. Rooney with New England. That'll be good. That's a rivalry there. And then San Diego Rugby ATL. That's a fantastic matchup as well. Every single one of these games has consequences, uh, whether it's for a playoff race or to play spoiler in a playoff race. They all matter. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, make And make sure you join us this Saturday. It's going to be a good one. This Saturday at Zions Bank Stadium, tickets are still available. See your Utah Warriors take on Seattle in what has become a grudge match every single time these two teams play. It is a slugfest that lots of times comes down to whoever has the ball in the final 60 seconds. So make sure you go to warriorsrugby.com. Uh, Bleacher seats starting as low as 12 bucks. Get your tickets now and join Dub Nation for the best home field advantage in Major League Rugby. They need you, Dub Nation, to be loud. It makes a difference for the boys when they're on the pitch. So go to warriorsrugby.com now. Absolutely. Big game for Utah. We'll preview it coming up. Well, there's a player on the Utah Warriors who used to play for Seattle. Of course, he's in his second year with the Utah Warriors, but he knows this team better than anybody else playing Seattle. He is Ali Khalifi, the USA Eagle as well, former BYU Cougar. And we welcome Ali to the show tonight on Dub Nation. Ali, great to have you, man. 
We'll bring hey, it all here in just a second. There he is. What's up? How you doing, brother? Hey, hey I'm doing good, Jerem. How's how's everything? Everything everything's good. Well, it's better that you're here now. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're my favorite you. Tesla employee slash rugby player. I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh yeah, I'm a big fan of Tesla. I know a lot of people. Shouts out to my boy Ricky Tinker, by the way. He hit me <laughs> up when you came on board over there and was like, Do you know this guy, Ollie? And I was like, Yeah, I know Ollie. So another Washington guy in Utah now. So the two of you guys have that connection over at Tesla. Yeah, he's uh Ricky's a good dude. So what what's it like working for Tesla? Um, I'm, it's, I'm actually not, not right now. So I, I, I was going to, but it's just, just with the schedule and stuff. I, I wasn't, a, I wasn't able to go there, you know, but, full-time uh, rugby. yeah, I'm full-time rugby this time. Um, it's a uh, pretty, pretty different just cause it's a, I'm, I've usually just worked throughout my career. So um, going full-time is a little different adjustment you know? um, here in Utah, but no, it's still good. It's good. So let's talk about adjustments. How's the locker room doing? Obviously, you're one of the senior leadership members of the core of this team in your time here now. How are the boys handling uh, another disappointing loss and now the preparation looking ahead to Seattle? Uh, I mean, I I guess they're handling like anyone else could imagine. You know, it was tough, especially at D.C. That D.C. loss was, uh, was really hard um, just to kind of come away with that and being able to be so close to try to take it and not not being able to walk away with it. So um, it's it's tough. I'm not you know just to be honest, like you know a lot of the boys' morale is uh you know it's a lot funner when you're winning and um, you're getting those results. But um, but as far as playing for each other and you know coming in every day, training, um, working hard for each other, I think I think that'll always be there. You know, uh, so the boys are always showing up for each other every week. Um, which is which is good to see. So, yeah, it's certainly tough because this team's talented and uh, obviously oh, have underperformed given the talent. You guys know you're good. You've lost four games by one, two, three, and three. It's right there to your, your grasp, right? So, um, what do you yeah. feel like is a, a missing missing element that maybe you can put into play this week and, and try and upset Seattle? Um, I think I think now, especially where we're at in the season. Um, you know, with the playoff picture kind of starting to starting to pull away from from us at the moment. I think right now there's just nothing to lose. You know, I think that's kind of uh, the attitude now with with the boys is that we just we just need to go in and just first is have fun. You know, like so going in there have fun. Second is just um, we're in a position to be that team to just ruin people's evenings. You know, <laughs> so um, you know, like uh, you know, that's um, unfortunately that's the truth, right? Like you know, with the with the record we're at right now, we, there's nothing. We're not we're not gonna lose anything now, you know. Like, and so I think the boys are kind of just like, well, let's just come in and and try to uh, put up the best performance, especially at home. We try to do the best we can at home, and um, uh, you know, give something our fans can be happy with, and. Um, and just try to ruin Seattle's day, you know. <laughs> That's kind of. Like I like weird. that you you smile a little bigger every time you say <laughs> yeah. ruin somebody's day. You know, like yeah, there so. there really has got to be a dark horse mentality now because a lot of teams in this situation have a tendency to turn on each other and kind of you know the the beast eats itself from the inside out. This team yeah. hasn't done that. You guys are still very supportive of each other, and like you said, you show up to practice and you back each other. So now it's got to turn spoiler. 
The last time you two met between Seattle and Utah, it was a close match that came away with a pretty hype performance from one Ali Khalifi at the final whistle. Yeah. How are you adjusting now to preparations this week, knowing what's at stake? Um, I think I think whenever it's when it's Seattle week, the boys they're one of those teams that like just the we naturally try to get up for, you know, like we don't have to um we don't have to do much to try to get pumped up for Seattle. They're kind of um <laughs> I mean, for them personally, they we're, we're friends. A lot of us know each other mutually from each team, but um, we when it comes to rugby, like we we just want to you know we go as hard as we can at each other, and so uh, and so I think this week it's just it's more about just trying to get all of our process in row in a row. Right now, there's little things, little disciplines that are kind of creeping into our game that's um, that is giving us those results that we're not. We, we don't like. So we're trying to just clean those up. Um, hopefully try to uh, find our way into the try zone. Cause right now we're, we don't have a, tr we don't have problems getting there, but it's just getting that push into the try zone, which is um, so, so this week Davies and Robbie have been doing some real good work with us on, you know, trying to tighten that part of our game. So. Do you think the playing field situations in major league rugby has something to do with that? Because we have the fortune of having a proper sized rugby field yeah. here in Utah where a lot of teams are playing on smaller American football sized yeah, fields yeah, yeah. that don't have the width that I think the Warriors are used to playing and practicing on. Do you think that's a factor in just the physical facilities and what we're able to do? Um, it, it, it definitely does play a role. Um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, LA is a big example, right? Like that, that field is a, is a, is a proper football field, you know? And, um, and because of that, the, the physicality has to go up just because there's, there's limited space. So all we can do is just bang each other out, you know, like, uh, you know, just hit each other and just try to, but um, in our field, because it's a proper rugby field, um, other, you know, you have the proper space to actually run plays, um, you know, run moves. And, uh, and I think there is a major difference, you know, and you will, you see that when you travel, especially as a player, you'll see it. In, in and for those that may not be aware, a rugby field typically is about 15 meters wider than your classic American football field. So when we play in some of these venues that have these smaller spaces, it makes a huge difference in the type of rugby you have to plan for knowing you're just not going to have that room on the outside for guys like Mikey and Mika and Connor, who's been great and Tomasi to play in the space that they're used to playing in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You hit it dead on the, on the head. So, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of the uh, Cottonwood Canyon city edition jerseys? Oh, they're sweet, man. Yeah. When they, um, when they announced it and I saw it, I just, um, you know, I think all the boys were just, we were just sharing it on the groups and stuff, and the boys were super excited. I think as when it comes to kit and um, and just those those sort of things, I think Utah probably takes the lead in the in the league as far as like you know um, fashion and style, and you know, <laughs> um, I, and I don't think any team can just can raise their hand and be like, yeah, we have we have kit like Utah. I think they kind of stand alone as far as uh, like that, like. The, those Cottonwood Canyon um, uniforms. I mean, everyone's kind of trying to be on the roster so they can at least get in there, you know, <laughs> be in it. Um, and so even last year's jerseys, those Yosepa jerseys, man, like, yeah, yeah we, we loved them. So That blue and white yeah. was slick for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't know if Billy uh, made the new ones this year, but uh, 
I think he might have a job there with the. Uh, the we'll keep him on for another little bit. He earned another season. <laughs> design, so, <laughs> so yeah. No, they're so awesome. with your position, obviously you coach through the selects and we've seen a lot of guys that got some time with the selects now playing up through the first team, young kids like Tomasi that, yeah. uh, as well as Connor, who's gotten a lot of minutes, you yeah. know, how exciting is it for you as a coach and now as a teammate to see those young guys come up through the ranks and see the pathway system work for the Warriors? Oh, it, it's, it's awesome. It's always, it's always good to see someone that, you know, you've been working with and you help develop, you know, a little bit be able to kind of make it and um and eventually become your teammate you know it's uh i think the the cool thing is that that relationship i have with them me tomasi um on the field is a little different we just have that camaraderie right away so like um so when things do get sort of sort of you know serious at training and stuff we can kind of crack jokes with each other and um, play around and um and we just mesh a lot just because we've been you know, technically together since August, you know, like uh, September, August. So we have that, you know, sort of bond, which is, it's, it's awesome to see. We have Taurus, Tar, uh, Taurus just came up and. Taurus was great. Congrats on his first cap too. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always cool to see kids that you worked with and for them to step in and, you know, eventually shine, you know, and even Connor had a few tries here this season, which is, which is cool to see. So. Yeah. He's a burner. He's fun to watch and we're excited oh, yeah, to see yeah. Taurus some more. So. Well, Ali, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, we know it's a big game with Seattle coming up Saturday night at 8 uh, Mountain Time at home. And Harriman, best of luck in that game, and uh, we appreciate the time, man. Yeah, awesome, man. Thank you again. appreciate you guys. You guys do a lot for us. So, um, yeah, keep up the good job. So Thanks, Ali. We appreciate yep, we'll it. See you guys. Two-time World Cup vet, USA Eagle, Utah Warriors prop. He's been an awesome veteran leader on this team. Coach the selects like we talked about. And so always we always have to talk to Ali the week of Seattle. I mean, he's, he's such a great dude to have in your locker room and as part of your organization. You know, he's played rugby for longer than a lot of guys in the league have been alive when you think about it. You know, so the knowledge that he has, the heritage, the influence that he has and wanting to pass on the best of the game to the next generation. It's really invaluable for what the club is trying to do. Well, you got to call him old like that. Like, what's <laughs> I'm old. I, <laughs> he's still got his boots on. Have you seen Ollie put in work? Okay. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Rookie hooker uh, Joey Baki has played in the squad now with an injury to uh, Chad Goff. Get to know Joey a little better in this mic'd up segment. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's start previewing the Seattle game coming up Saturday, April twenty third, eight Mountain Time. Get your tickets on WarriorsRugby.com. TV uh, situation, KMYU, we've got the broadcast this week, streaming on kslsports.com, the Rugby Network, radio, ESPN 760. Okay, it's Utah and Seattle. Obviously, we're not going to necessarily push the Utah can still make the playoffs run here, like Ollie talked about. It is about blowing up and ruining everyone else's day. So Seattle comes in fourth in the West by one point. They're trying to get into uh, the playoffs. In the league, they kick a ton. They make a bunch of penalty goals. They're good at lineouts as well. This is a big physical team that has some burners on the outside as well. This will be a fun matchup. It's always tough when Seattle comes to town. You know, they always play on the fringes of the law. They push the limits of what is both sportsmanlike and within the, the legal uh -oh. parameters of the game. They come in with something different, and they're well-prepared. They've got 
what may be the MLR player of the year in Riker Hatting playing at number eight. And he's had an unbelievable season has really found another level to his game. So they're going to have to really work hard on stopping not only Riker's versatility on both sides of the ball, but executing the basics and fundamentals of rugby at an elite level is what it's going to take for this Warriors team. There's injuries all over the lineup and all throughout the club. You know, guys are playing out of position to fill in gaps and it really takes to a man, the execution of the fundamentals at an elite professional level to get it done now. Let's talk about some of those players to watch. You mentioned record adding six tries for the uh, the eight-man, tied for second in the league. Tavite Lopetti, first on the team in meters run. Keep an eye on him at center. And then A.J. Alatimo, the fly half. He's very good with the boot. Alatimo was great in last week's match as well, marshalling his team around the field. Really makes plays. He's comfortable now in this lineup and what's expected of him. He's become an incredible playmaker in Major League Rugby. They've already met this season. It was game, it was week two. Utah played on a Sunday and then went up to Seattle on a Thursday. It was this weird scheduling quirk. Lost 20-17, to 17, scored a late try to make a little bit closer. So one of those four close losses, and Utah's certainly shown it, can compete with some of the best in the league and even beat L.A., right? Um, one of the two wins this season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a good game. I'm just, I'm just hoping Utah continues to play motivated even though the playoffs aren't totally there, that the guys show up, and I think they will, and that they pull off the upsets. I don't think there's any doubt about the motivation in the heart of this team, right? Like, we've seen them late in games fight and scrap through last year's reputation as the comeback kids, and this year's reputation for really just being a scrappy, do-what-it-takes team, even in the losses when you realize four of those games are by three points or less, right? So we're talking about a completely different storyline with one score in some of these matches. So now wearing that mantle of spoiler, you know, of the destroyer of dreams, you know, we can come in and be Thanos and snap our fingers and wreck half the Western conference at this point, because we're literally staring at the top of the table at each of those teams coming into Utah and we can do a lot of damage and really spoil the party for a lot of teams. As we look down the barrel of the, the last, what are we at? Six games of the season now. Yeah, I was looking to my right because uh, I have a bunch of the Avengers sitting here, and I just thought maybe I could bring in Thanos, but I don't have Thanos. I'll just bring in Iron Man. So there you go. Yeah, I'm like, this should be like for well, my three-year-old son. This is for me. Who do you, you want? I mean, you I could know. pull the I am inevitable, and then he snaps his fingers, yes. you know? I mean, that's the Warriors are inevitable. Exactly. They're going to put it together. Exactly. 69 points in the game against Dallas. This team can score tries when they put themselves in amazing positions, you know, but it's it's going to take all 23 guys on that roster on game day, all 80 minutes to get it done against Seattle. Okay, we mentioned uh, Joey Baki uh, mic'd up. Let's uh, go to that now and hear from the rookie. I don't fuck with you, Joey. Dude, it's my day. This is my day. You're ruining it. I'm on mic. Say something to all your fans. This is Nick. He does everything for us. I have a fan page. Yeah, you have a fan page. That my friend made. Hi to all Joey's fans. Thanks for your support. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you. Dub Bears. Dub Bulls. Mike Dicka. Baby, no. Go Bulls. Come back, come back, they're coming back. Fire. 
that's what it's like to be at practice right there. I just love how down to earth Baki is. He's such a great dude. Made the switch to Hooker when he came into the league, so he's learning a new position. And really, it's been a baptism by fire for the kid. Okay, we are in uh, the midst of the NBA playoffs, and uh, certainly around these parts, uh, we're hoping the Utah Jazz do some good work against the Dallas Mavericks. It's tied at one and one. Game three coming up in Salt Lake tomorrow. But the team was asked recently who they want to win the NBA Finals. Here's what they said: NBA Finals. Oh, Jazz, baby. Oh, you Jazz, man. Utah Jazz, baby. Let's go. To be honest, I have not watched any basketball, but go Jazz. Suns, baby. Chicago Bulls. Utah Jazz, baby. Suns. What did he say? Hey. Oh. Yeah, let's go Jazz. Jazz. Short distance. Bruh. Bucks. I don't know anything about basketball. Uh, Bucks, Jazz. Who's up? Jazz, baby. Oh, oh Jazz. Jazz. I'm assuming they're in the final. Uh, they are not, Tyler Fisher. But uh, Zion going mentioning the New Zealand Breakers was fantastic. Shouts out to the New Zealand Breakers, <laughs> the NBL in New Zealand. Top team, you know, I mean, they're not going to do a whole lot compared to an NBA franchise, it's it's basically like playing in the NCAA tournament, which is where the, you know, and going out in the round of 32. That's about where the breakers are at, talent-wise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good good stuff, good personnel. Sun's getting some love in there. But, uh, yeah, and then and then Mike Gieselman from Michigan is Detroit Pistons eliminated. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Go Jazz. Go Jazz is right. Let's go. So if you are uh, wanting to get your kid involved in Warriors rugby or just get them exposed to the game on any level, our very own Ashley Burge does an amazing job with these junior Warriors camps and clinics connecting the state of Utah through rugby, exposing an entire new generation to the game. These clinics are amazing. To watch Ashley in action with these kids is fantastic. And so many of the Warriors players, there's a great clip on Instagram of Mikey Teo throwing the ball around with some of these kids at these Warriors clinics. Go to Junior dot warriors rugby.com and get your kids signed up the price is unbelievable the experience is unforgettable that's jr dot warriors rugby.com good stuff ashley does great work i've seen it in person it's fantastic okay it's our privilege now to welcome in the ceo of usa rugby ross young to dub nation man we have a lot to talk about too some good work being done in the pursuit of world cups in 2031 and 33 for the men and women ross welcome to dub nation thanks for joining us tonight Chance, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, awesome. Uh, we know recently you met with World Rugby to talk about the bids and uh, how, in Denver, I think. How did those go? It sounds like it's going well. Uh, it's going really well. And what's been refreshing um, for me, having been on the other side of the fence for some number of years, the way they've moved on with the process. So, you know, when we when we started this it was very much the old traditional bidding process um you know which always has a fair degree of politics involved in it and we put together a good bid team with salt lake's own jim brown leading the charge for us um obviously jim's got a lot of experience in major events fifa olympics etc um you know i've known jim for a while and the you know we 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 did hard yards early to try and ensure that we laid the case down and made it as convincing as possible that around the capabilities for, for the U S in hosting. Um, 
and have ended up for these last couple of months in what's called a targeted dialogue phase. And, you know, having the executive team of World Rugby out here to explore some of the detail of the bid and and get to, you know, what's hopefully the final stages of those contractual discussions was was great. Um, and, you know, we've, as you everyone's probably aware, we've submitted the final batch of documentation and, and including a, a letter of support from Joe Biden. We've got bipartisan party support and a congressional caucus in place to to support this bid. So we've got all the we've got all the pieces in order, and hopefully, you know, we get that ratification in on, in May the twelfth in Dublin. So how does that support work when you go to these congressmen, when you go to these senators, when you go to the governors of these states, when you talk to the president? Do a lot of them say? What's rugby? Do we play rugby here in America? Or are they familiar with the growth of the game? And are you surprised by the reaction of how knowledgeable some of these guys are about the opportunity to have a World Cup? Yeah, very surprised. And it, it, it goes all the way down the governmental status. I think, you know, initially, before we went down the, the federal government route and the, you know, with some of the congressmen, it was it was putting out expressions of interest for cities and venues to host. And, and I think that's what blew world rugby away as much as anything else was the, the massive underlying desire. The fact that people are aware of where rugby world cup sits within a global stage of ranking of major events, Um, you know, and then an understanding of the game that follows it. So I think all of us that have been around rugby for a while, know that you need your ambassadors in high places, you need your support in high places to to be able to to break down a few barriers. And, you know, even Biden himself has been documented in some press recently, connections with Ireland and Rob Kearney. And, he, you know, it's the same. There's a history of presidents way back to Clinton and Bush that, you know, have been involved with the game. So it's, I think the overall understanding and, you know, the MLR's done a great job in in getting the brand of rugby out there and making it more accessible to, to more people as well. And that floats through. So it wasn't a hard sell. It genuinely was not a hard sell. Um, you know, World Rugby positions itself and, you know, it's acknowledged on the world stage. It's the third biggest global sporting event behind the Olympics at number one and the Soccer World Cup at number two. When you look at numbers of countries it gets fed into. And one of the big stats that that people are not aware of is where um, Rugby World Cup sits within average fan attendance per game. You know, it's, Japan had 99%, you know, England before that, 94%, and all averaging 55, 60,000. The average attendance, uh, there are more games soccer world cup for example so you know when you overlay the infrastructure that's in place in the u.s and the potential to fill some of those venues with attractively priced tickets it's it, it's it gives us the ability to put a strong case which has been really well received all around which is awesome we're talking to ross young ceo of usa rugby here on dub nation um Obviously, Major League Rugby would like to think is having some kind of influence on not only the Eagles in the future and their success, but also the bids here and having the best of league. What role has Major League Rugby played and will play, you think, in the success of USA, not only for bids, but for being more competitive and breaking out of uh, you know the first couple rounds? Yeah, 
it's the MLR. You know, a couple of the MLR owners have helped financially support. It's a, it's never cheap to put some of this, you know, this work together in a bid. So the MLR maybe to the board. Um, I think the the support has been fantastic, but the real work won't start until we get the thing awarded. And I think it's, it's one of the main things that we've been talking about with World Rugby. And you know, I spoke at the, the face-to-face MLL board meeting along with Alan Gilpin, the CEO, in, in December in D.C. Um, or sorry, November in D.C. And Chris started reinforcing a bit of the vision is we get this thing awarded. We've all collectively got the work to do to continue to raise awareness you know, get more bars on seats on an annual basis, get more youth programs running. The advantage of the MLR is they have, you know, they have footprints in major geographies, which are going to be key to the game being successful and ultimately World Cup being successful. So the buy-in from the MLR, the seat governance and all the way through is, you know, an understanding that you saw what the Soccer World Cup did for soccer here, but most of that happened after the event. Well, we shouldn't be waiting till after the event. We should be using the the hook, if you like, of, of World Cup to build a proper plan that we all buy into that, you know, has that aligns with the twofold focus. We all want the game to grow. We all want more American players playing the game. And more successful men's and women's 15s team uh, that are going to be hopefully be in a position to compete and bring the trophy home in 31 and 33. So I know with all the struggles that USA rugby has had over the past few years, and you've kind of navigated some of those, you know, financially and perceptually, and now we've come out with a chance to host the world cup. How does USA rugby continue to extend outside of MLR's reach and growing the domestic club rugby in all of these cities and markets where there's not an MLR team? How can USA Rugby continue to support those clubs and feed them the resources that they need? You're 100% right. And that's that, That's what we've got to we've got to all agree the plan. I mean, ev- everyone talks about this, you know, the pyramid and feeding the base of the pyramid from youth, you know, where the college game sits. And let's be frank, the college game's fractured at the moment. Um, and yeah, the, the good old traditional senior clubs, it's, you know, they're sort of dealt with differently in the different geographies you've got. But the, you know, the, all that base has to be there for the rest of it to grow off. If you, it's like, you know, it's like building a tower block, isn't it? If you know, foundations aren't right, the thing's going to fall over. And that's the last thing we want to do is, is, is go ahead with these big initiatives without the infrastructure there to support it. And, you know the the i think that the buy-in and when you look at engagement you look at youth engagement where it sits that it's everyone's got their role to play in that and i think usa rugby along with the newly formed councils if you like because i've done it sure you you know people are completely aware that part of the nightmares we've gone through has resulted in a number of, of governance restructuring elements with individual the youth and high school collegiate and and club 
controlling their own destiny a little bit more and being federalized and decentralized in running their own competitions. And, you know, they're also in a little bit of a learning curve with that. Now we've come out of COVID and the reality of having to do those things on your own with a number of those not having fully paid staff to do it is tough. We all know, you know, if you if you want to be professional, you, you know, you need subject matter experts in that area. So we, you know, post May, we want to get everyone together and, and really build out a plan. So we all know exactly what our roles are. We all have a, you know, KPIs, you know, we all want to have targets that we want to achieve to, to make the environment better for everyone. And, you know, we've got to shamelessly use the global family to push back on that as well. Everyone, yeah, everyone knows that the US is the biggest sports and entertainment you know, environment in the world. And, and rugby's not going to, you know, not, not going to take a huge chunk of that in short term away from the traditional areas. So, but building values in the sport will build values of six nations rights, rugby championship rights that, that sell back into the US. So, and, you know, and those entities know that. So it's how do we garner their support to provide better infrastructure for men's and women's competitions, which hopefully we'll have some announcements in the next couple of months as well. That's and what then, I want to hear, Ross. I love it. <laughs> and then, you know, because one of the one of the most frustrating things when you try to build something centrally here is we, we haven't had a regular competition. We started with the America's Rugby Championship, which began to get traction. And it sort of disappeared. There's been Pacific Nations Cups before. But what we have to do to align ourselves with you know, meaningful games are like against the likes of Fiji, Japan, etc., you know, which makes it more aspirational, which will want more people to play professional rugby, which will create more growth at the bottom. You've got to you've got to do what's right at the top, but also have the feed the funnel at the bottom of it as well. And building out that plan, because all of it takes money. And I think that's, you know, that's the other key to it is we know that if we hit all our targets, we'll generate revenue out of a World Cup. But how can we pull that forward to start those initiatives now and have them funded? And it all becomes a, it all becomes a, a natural engagement then because, you know, how do you get sponsors if you've not got pure numbers? Well, you know, if you don't have numbers, you don't get the value. It, it's we've got to start somewhere. And the, uh, you know, investing in the right initiatives now to help grow will build value, which will bring more money in, which will allow us to build out more growth initiatives moving forward. And, and uh, you know, for me, that North Star, if you like, or that anchor to a plan of the World Cups in 31 and 33. And, you know, I think it's we've got to put what's what's happened behind we've got to put some of that history behind us and we've all got to pull together in one direction and you know the relationship with us rugby and the mlr from in the very early days wasn't the greatest and we are doing so much together we are more engaged together in this and i think ultimately this does pull everyone together and and we we put rugby where it should be on the map in america I think having a Rugby World Cup in America is a goal we can all agree is good for the sport at every single level to engage fans, to engage teams, to engage participants. It's such a great thing to have 
that leadership finally from a pl former player's perspective to have somebody say, here it is from the top and let us all get behind it and support it. So thank you for first coming out and saying it and then for putting your actions where your words are and actually going out and getting us to this point even. So I appreciate everything, Ross, from knowing where my USA rugby dues have gone over the years to getting to the point where we're realistically talking about a rugby world cup. And it's so exciting. And uh, Ross, we appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, illuminating more about this process. And uh, we look forward to hopefully good news on May 12th. Uh, the, the fingers and toes across gents and uh, you know, more platforms like this that we continue to, to promote and and sell if you like just you know even from content wise is fabulous so appreciate having you on you guys having me on here and you say when we get this thing and we put more meat on the bones of a plan i'd love to come back and we can uh, talk more about it 100 percent, ross we appreciate the time thank you cheers guys Ross Young, USA Rugby CEO. That's exciting, man. Okay, uh, purchase your season tickets today uh, as low as 52 bucks. You got to come see Utah play Seattle. There's still some good home games left on this season. Call 801-477-7652. Hey, congrats uh, as we end to Steph and Thomas Tuovao expecting their first child. That's awesome. The Warriors family continues to grow, man. There's something in the water. We keep having Dub Nation babies around here. <laughs> I ran into Matt Jensen in the hallway at church on Sunday with a couple of his little ones, former Utah Warriors. So, you know, it was great right. to see him and catch up with him for a little bit. Shouts out to you, Matt. I know you're watching. You check us out That's all the time. That's awesome. Okay, well, that'll do it for us. Fun show today. Like and, uh, and share this episode of Dub Nation. Follow the Utah Warriors on social media. We'll see you Saturday night, 8 Mountain Time, out at Zions Bank Stadium or on TV or on the radio or on the web. Our thanks to Ali Khalifi and Ross Young. Today's show was produced by Billy Rathule with help from Mason Benson. For Banksy, I'm Jerem Jordan. Go Warriors!